right, everyone. We're doing, obviously, the Queer Women of Ice and Fire panel. And if you've read Fire and Blood, you know that now there are plenty of them. Well, a few, at least. And I wanted to do a quick poll um, at some point. Should we introduce ourselves first, though? I'll start with myself. I'm Ashea. I do History of Westeros podcast. I'm bisexual, poly, and uh, I identify as they, them, just because I feel like we should use gender-neutral terms as much as we can. Uh, so, um, so I'm Archmaester Emma. Um, I am bi. I mostly write about the symbolism of A Song of Ice and Fire at redmiceatplay.wordpress.com. You can also find me chatting random stuff on Twitter at ELSmith1994. I'm Melanie Lot7, and I identify as bi, and you can find me on Twitter at Melanie Lot7, but the number, not the word. And um, also, I have a very small YouTube channel, also Melanie Lot7, and a WordPress site, same. Hi, uh, I'm Yoshi, also known as Yoshi Targaryen on Twitter. I'm just known for having a big mouth and a lot of opinions, so <laughs> <laughs> nice to see everyone here today. Mm. So, okay, this poll we want to do. I wanted to see how many people in the room are show-only watchers. Okay, a few. Okay, good to know. Uh, how many of you have not read Fire and Blood? Okay, cool. So we know to cater that to give you guys some context here, but we are going to be getting into Fire and Blood material at length because that's a lot of the bulk of what we have. But there's still a lot in the stories proper. Mm. So should we start with the stories proper, A Song of Ice and Fire, or should we start with the history? We want to start with the bad or the good, basically. <laughs> Let's just get the bad out of the way. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's get that all out of the way here. So I think the two most iconic scenes, like, in the books that you think of when you think of, you know, same-sex, you know, relations are obviously Cersei and Taina and Daenerys and Eri. And both of those have a lot of power dynamics at play in a really interesting way, right? Yeah. Um, so taking the Cersei and Taina one, there are some really, really uh, problematic is probably yeah. the nicest way you can possibly <laughs> ever coat that entire dynamic. So for those of you who don't know what it is, um, Cersei takes on uh, Taina of Mir as a handmaid and then um, trigger warnings aplenty um, in this um, mm. sort of entire thing um but she um they start having a sexual relationship and it then Cersei just rapes Tana um explicitly thinking of her own experiences with Robert um at that point so that's really bad um. <laughs> also well, real quick note if you have questions throughout this feel free to raise your hands we wanted to do Q&A throughout yeah absolutely and speaking of handmaidens Daenerys and Eerie that's a whole different dynamic in that it's kind of like, uh, you know, a master and a servant type dynamic and the power dynamic is just not healthy. And Eerie's clearly doing it out of a sense of duty rather than a sense of love. And, you know, it's just kind of sad. I do appreciate that Daenerys recognizes that, but then she still does Takes turn to her. Of it, yeah. 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 Let's see. Um, I think that in particular with Cersei and Taina, what is fascinating to me is Cersei really grappling with her thoughts about being a man, about how if she'd been born a man, how different things would be with her. And she explicitly thinks about that in all of these scenes, like time after time, she's associating uh, 
these sexual experiences with her own gender experiences. And that her lack of agency is built into it, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just turns it uglier. Yeah, she's exhibiting signs of what Freud would call like penis envy. Mm -hmm. She just like really, really has a problem with her, like her sex. She just wants to have, and I don't think it's a a matter of wanting to have um, a different sex. It's her, her need for power. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, there's one little thing that I noticed when researching this is there's a scene where Cersei talks about that she's lying in the tub, you know, uh, in Tana's arms. And I think that's interesting that they would have, like, a different kind of intimate it's moment more, like it's that. A t- it's a more tender moment. Yeah, it's a more tender moment. Um, and Cersei really intimate. starts to think of her, like, pretty tenderly, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond, like, she obviously is like, no one can compare to Jamie, but she's still, it's like, Tana's on my side. Tana will be there for me. But I don't know about Tana. <laughs> <Yeah. Aww. laughs> Uh, um, so obviously Danny also has some experiences with Doria in the show we see um, you know we have her handmaids and in the show they show Doria teaching Daenerys about things that is in the books but it's you know off you know screen we don't actually see what she did um, it seemed more like they were talking and showing and not quite, I, I don't know, it was definitely less graphic. words were involved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, attached to Doria, too, I mean, she was trained in the ways of the seven sides, and she was essentially a sex slave herself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, again, the power dynamics there are unhealthy <laughs> and problematic. And thanks, George, for, you know, giving us these terrible examples first and then listening to us as consumers of this work and this time around in Fire and Blood, giving us something better to look at. Yeah, I really do think that the representation in Fire and Blood was because he gets feedback like that. He does. Like, he can't avoid it. Uh, So what are your thoughts on Oberyn and Alaria on Alaria's sand? Like, because I honestly, there's a little bit of a power dynamic there. They're getting sex workers. They're, you know, they're nobles as well. Like, we don't see their scenes because we don't see their POV, but you have to think that it's a lot of that. Yeah. I, I think that a lot of that comes from the culture north of Dorne. So, you know, it's very taboo north of Dorne to have these kind of intimate relations with same sex or, you know, whatever the case is, polyamorous, um, you know, interactions. So um, the only way for them to kind of engage in, you know, their own culture would be to kind of feed into, you know, the culture of the north. So, you know, I know there would be people willing to, um, but to seek it out, you know, uh, easiest place would be a brothel. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. Wherever it's available. I liked the line about uh, Oberyn's talking about Alaria and how Alaria thinks he should just marry Cersei just because Alaria wants to get Cersei in bed. <laughs> uh, which uh, She may have a nasty surprise ahead of her if that ever, <laughs> ever happened, but... Oh. Um, of course, we would be remiss if we didn't also talk about Alaria in the show, where she had a relationship beyond Oberyn, mm-hmm. which uh, I I think you had a lot to say about that, Yoshi, right? As far as what was um, you, We were talking I, about... Uh, um, about how Yara, you know, is pansexual in the show and how, yeah. you know, her and Ilaria, you know, have some relations with each other and all that. Yeah. But we also see Yara was, in a brothel. It was very 
I want to say, a, a little confusing to see in the show um, without, you know, any kind of, like, explanation. Um, the way I saw it was that maybe, you know, Yara is very fond of the Iron Islands. Um, she's very proud to be an Iron Islander. And a lot of their ways is, quote unquote, the old way, which she also takes to heart very much. And I'm not sure if that sexuality was shown on screen because of this old way or what really was it just, you know, we were missing. They're like, yeah, I don't know. They were like, she looks kind of masculine. Like, mm. she looks like she could be gay. Let's make her gay. I yeah, know. Like, you yeah, know, I didn't get that. Yeah, because in the books, we don't have any of that information. No, all. we see so. her interested in men specifically mm-hmm. in yeah. the books. Um, so. I wonder if it, you know, maybe had to do with Carl the Maid. Yeah, books, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, he is not yeah. typically masculine. Like yeah. You know, they could have taken something from that, maybe giving them too much the benefit of the doubt. I, I kind of feel like I'm giving them a little bit yeah. too much credit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have a lot, to, a few other characters here in Dorne to talk about um, that are, there's not a lot of meat there, but there's some to wonder about, I think, right? Mm. I just want to just really quickly mm. interject that, the, especially the, the depiction on the show, I feel like, is really just a, this hedonistic type mm-hmm. view of Dorne um, that to me is problematic because it skips any kind of like actual emotion and just makes it into this like hedonistic type thing where you know you're just going into like this brothel and just engaging in this debauchery and it doesn't take anybody's emotions or feelings mm-hmm. into account and I don't know I think that's kind of just shallow. Yeah, it feels very much like a sort of uh, cheap way of going, ooh, look at these people, aren't they exotic? Exactly. <laughs> don't don't yeah. do that, please stop. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, one of the things I would like to see in this series is just, you know, just romance, just a mm. pure romance please. that isn't just about sex. Yeah. I very much want that, and we do get some of that in Fire and Blood, but again, they're not POVs. We're not in their head, like, experiencing, like... Their, their feelings. Uh, but, uh, okay, so in Dorne, there's a, you know, we have Nymeria's Sand, right? And this one was one that, like, intrigues me. I mean, you could read it your whatever way you want, but my standard for headcanons is if you don't know, like, explicitly what it is, just choose what you want to believe. Like, you don't, like, you can just go with it. So we hear that Nymeria was, was abed with the Fowler twins when word reached her. And then we eventually learn their names in A Dance with Dragons, a book later, that they're Jane and Jenilyn. So she was in bed with two twins. Well, women do have handmaids that, like, like you know, they would sleep with, like, in bed. But I like to think that, you know, she was having a little threesome with those foul twins. <laughs> I would prefer to think that. <laughs> um, and then a weirder one, right, is Ariane and Tyene Sand, I think. Where, like, mm-hmm. clearly you could, you know, they, they have some connection there, but they're closely related also. Uh, <laughs> so, but like also Ariane fantasizes about Oberyn, you know, her uncle. Her uncle so yeah. I, apparently she doesn't care as much about that. The tiny bit of talk. They did marry in there. So yeah, <laughs> that's great. Um, yeah. So you, you guys touched on already just the sex position in the show and all the same sex brothel work but yeah yeah i I mean i really just want to go off about the show's main framing of queer women 
relationships seeming to just always taking place in a brothel because, you know, there's a sex position in season one, episode seven, where you've got Roz and she's coming down and she's training to be a sex worker. And then you've got Daria as a former sex slave. And then you've got Yara's sexuality, which is shown in the context of sex work in Volantis, if I remember correctly. Then you've got Alario and Oberyn introduced in the context of sex work. And, like, queer female sex workers, especially sex workers of colour, were absolutely essential to the pride movement and they're so historically important but like it's not the only representation of women it's certainly not there to be exploitative and the show definitely feels like that at times for me um i don't know about you guys but i yeah (laughs) like there are summer islanders in westeros you know for one who these people they worship gods um through acts of love sexually and they spend at least a year there um worshiping their god um by letting anyone have sex with them um so it was really weird not to see that because we have summer islanders and they're people of color um also dorn like there was so much that they could have done i know i have to say when they didn't cast Ariane Martel and all that I'm like this is perfect for HBO though like it really is what? It's like she is a perfect character for what they're doing I have to say like just straight up yeah, <laughs> yeah. if mm. only they had more female writers on their show so I'm sure we'll still have to reference some of this negative stuff, but I'm raring to get into the more positive stuff. Yeah, I yeah think. let's talk about happy things. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, it seems like a lot of you haven't read Fire and Blood. Um, it there's the World of Ice and Fire too, and that gave us you know a little. We got one of these characters in there too, but Fire and Blood. You got to go out and read it. That's all I can really say. If you've read the books, you should read the history. There, it's fascinating. <laughs> Um, but I think I want to start with the two standout characters, yeah. which are Raina Targaryen and Alyssa Farman. Yes, please. Uh, <laughs> which just, there's so much to say here, so much to rave about. I'll let you guys get started. Go oh, down the line. I cried. <laughs> <laughs> I was so happy. Absolutely. And, um, I'm sorry, but Alyssa is the queen of my heart. Yes, she she's one of my favorites. And just I think about her. it. The first like person to circumnavigate the planetos, the globe, was a was gay a woman. woman. Not just a woman, a gay woman. A gay woman. Yeah. Fuck yeah. About <laughs> <laughs> time. Uh, but see, I, I also think this is interesting because you really do see a bit of the romance. You're not in their eyes, but you see that they're you know very tied to each other, right? Yeah. Yeah. You um, know, a, a really humanizing quality that I or you know bit about the relationship between Reyna and Alyssa that I really liked had to do with, um, you know, not to bring it down, but had to do with their quarreling about money as, um, as Alyssa wanted to build the sun chaser. Basically they were arguing about money and that's like the, the most mundane relationship thing ever where you're just like, I want to spend my money on this. No, you can't do that. And I really liked that dynamic and I felt it was so humanizing and, um, the other side of the coin is that Alyssa, I was wondering if Alyssa was preventing, or excuse me, I was wondering if Raina was preventing Alyssa from building this ship because uh, Raina knew that she had duty to take care of and she was rooted to this place. And if Alyssa left, then she would be left alone. And that kind of breaks my heart, you know, when one partner has wanderlust and the other one is tied to a place in duty. And, 
you know, it's, it's kind of sad because it ended up breaking them apart. But, um, you know, that's also a really relatable thing that, you know, humans just have to deal with that. And I really like that aspect of it. One thing that, that really interested me about Rena was, um, I'm sorry, I didn't tell you guys, I identify as bisexual, um, pronouns she, her. So one thing I found very interesting uh, was that she was married twice. Um, she She had children. And I was wondering if, you know, this was a sense of duty or if it was that she actually had um, feelings uh, for men as well, um, the way she did for Elisa, because we know a little bit of context here. She was married. It was to... She was married to... Aegon. Yeah, exactly. And then um, Mager. They 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 seemed like they had a fine relationship. Yeah, and they had had a a pretty, you know... um, I, I would guess say fine, but yeah, um, they grew up that was together. expected. They yeah, that was expected yeah. of them. It was it was in their culture to do that. So I wonder if you know if all this was a sense of duty or if she really had feelings um, for men. So, of course, immediately after this, she goes through incredibly traumatic experiences uh, throughout all of this, which uh, has to affect her in a lot of ways. Obviously. Um, yeah, no, I don't think I do not think that that is uh, affects her sexuality because we hear very early on about her favorites. Right. Which, shout out to the movie The Favorite. <laughs> yes. uh, but no, I was the first time I was reading like her current favorite. Blah blah. blah and I'm like, oh, she's gay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there's a line later on where Alison very kindly offers to marry Rainer off because that's just what you want. And then uh, Raina, um, Raina's immediate response is, that only served to bring a snarl to Raina's lips. She snatched her hand away from the queen, Queen Alessandra, and said, I fed my last husband to my dragon. If you make me take another, I may eat you myself. <laughs> so I think that's about as vehemently no <laughs> as you could possibly guess. I mean, I definitely know she she married Andrew, which was Elisa's brother, um, because she definitely wanted to be close to Elisa. Yeah. And I and thought that was very telling. That you were married you were willing to marry a man just to, you know, be close to this the person. The most lavender marriage ever. <laughs> <sighs> mm. But so we see obviously a, a kind of a bevy of, of women. She, you know, Reyna has a squad, mm-hmm. let's say. And I have to one like we obviously we're not in in these scenes. We're not seeing their point of view, so we don't know who had relationships with each other mm-hmm. and who was just friends. Because it's not like they're all just sleeping together. Like can't assume. This, you know, <laughs> you, you can't assume that. Um, but there's you know, a uh, few ones that she starts with, uh, you know, that her clothes that she's closest to, you know, like um, Larissa Valerian. Um, I think that was probably one of her first, maybe, uh, which, you know, makes sense. They would have been close. She would have been, you know, I mean, she's Valerians. And, you know, for context, the Valerians and the Targaryens are, you know, pretty close yeah. like that. They marry in <laughs> tightly. <laughs> um I don't know if you guys had any thoughts about the descriptions of any of these women um, and their, like, relationships with each other. Yeah, well, Obviously, there's one that you have to want to talk about, Melanie. Uh, yeah, Melanie <laughs> Piper. Um, yeah, I can't help it. I Whenever I see the name Melanie in the book, I'm just like, ah! Um, <laughs> thanks, George. It's like you represented. Um, even though you spelled it wrong. <laughs> 
But yeah, Melanie Piper is like a warrior maid. Um, you know, she's hanging out in her armor, looking so fine. And, you know, she's Marshall, and um, I'm sure she was very fit and lovely. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, I, I think it's really interesting because um, not only was Melanie Piper one of her lovers, but I believe uh, Larissa was like described as big boned. Oh, that's and, Sam Stoker. Oh, big and boisterous. Big and boisterous. Okay. Which I'm glad it like describes her personality a little bit too. As a lot yeah. of these girls, we don't actually get what their personality is at all, which is, uh, you know, a problem. But I, I would like to, you know, know a little bit about them, but at least a couple of them we know. Yeah. I, I really like the um, Melanie, uh, even though it seems like their um, relationship like broke off in the sort of teen years. I really love that they continued a really close friendship and Melanie was always there and she like turned up when, um, mm-hmm. you know, her, uh, Raina's brother husband was like making his claim of the throne. Melanie turned up uh, with an army to explicitly support Raina. So mm-hmm. it's really... Faithful to the end. Yeah, and, and it's really <laughs> lovely to like finally have some representation of, you know, women loving women who are supporting each other even after the relationship has ended and it's... Yeah, it's just, just yeah. I really just like the fact that he's included that as opposed yeah. to Catty mm-hmm. Sisters. <laughs> so, so exactly. I want to go over real quick the favorites that we hear of, just to list them off for you guys. We've mentioned Melanie Piper. We've mentioned uh, Larissa Valerian, who she was her very first of her favorites, and she went back you know, to Tarth, where um, Larissa, Larissa Valerian had moved to and married into. So maybe one of the, fast, the last of her favorites as well, the first and the last, mm-hmm. perhaps. So I would be very interested to learn about that. We talked about Sam Stokeworth and um, Alyssa Farman, but we haven't mentioned there's also Elaine Royce. Yeah. Which, again... Very little to, to say on her, but we did hear um, another description of looks, not personality, a plump and homely girl. Isn't that what matters the most? I mean, like, <laughs> okay. Um, but I, I guess the person writing Fire and Blood knew what she looked like. <laughs> um, George. I think it's really interesting, you guys, that uh, just that they, they, Raina took them flying on Dreamfire, mm-hmm. right? It's, I mean, who wouldn't want to do that? Maybe. That I don't know if funny. I would. No? <laughs> yeah, I don't think plunging to my death will be a great date, but. <laughs> I'm, I'm in for it. I'm ready to, I'm ready to go dragon back. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Let's see. Can we find this? Yeah, let's get into Sarah. <laughs> that, yeah, that's a real fun topic, I, I think, her. too. You want to start us off with that, then? You know, she's using stories. Yeah. So, um, so Sarah Targaryen. Where do we start with her? Um, she she was known as a young child to, you know, know how to get her way. Um, very very willful, let's say. Um, where would we say her? Um, they start to begin to learn about his sexuality. Um, I don't like 
it, it really it comes out because obviously they all get caught having very right. so they, they list off her favorites as well um <laughs> and it's a pack of uh it's three girls three guys um yeah and it comes out because we have we have a knight who finds the three uh the three lads at um a brothel and they were laughing at the fool um because they wanted to see how he would do with other uh let's say ladies i don't want to say other word um and when queen alisane goes over to the girls now she's questioning the girls she doesn't give them the pretext to what she's questioning them about um she tells them you know your your friends are in the dungeon and if you don't give me the truth of this you know you'll wonder where you'll be sleeping tonight too and so the girls start going off um <laughs> not knowing what she was talking about and say oh it only started as a game we were just kissing um with our clothes on at first and just then practicing. um our clothes off after and it comes out that one of the girls are pregnant and they have to marry her off immediately. And it started this whole big charade uh, <laughs> where Sarah had to answer <laughs> for all of this. And she basically tells her father, like, um, he asked her, did you give your maiden hat to one of these guys? And she's like, oh, um, I slept with all three. All of them thought they were the first. Uh, I don't know who I'm going to marry. Um, maybe I'll marry this one. He makes me scream. Sometimes he makes me laugh. And just how, just how forward she was with all of this information that was considered very taboo. Um, I love that she was just like shattering glass ceilings. Yeah. <laughs> can, can I read the quote? That we, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we have, Sarah was teaching Alice how to kiss. So I asked if she would teach me too. The boys train at fighting every morning, so why shouldn't we train at kissing? That's what girls are meant to do, isn't it? <laughs> and I don't know, I just love that. <laughs> That's what girls are meant to do, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> so she ends up, I don't know if I'm skipping anything right now. Everything just comes to memory as I go. Mm -hmm. But um, she ends up leaving um, King's, uh, King's Landing. Um, they send her over to Old Town. Um, where she served uh, for about a year. I think it was as a, as a yeah, second. short, pretty short time. Uh, yeah, and it then didn't she, work out. she knocked over her sister and fled. Her sister was also there serving as a septa, um, and no one could find her in Westeros. And she turns up about five years later um, in Lease. Yeah, and in Lease, she is working at a pleasure garden or a pleasure yeah. house, and uh, she actually. Um, rises from that and she she has her own what they call a palace so she basically rose up um made a lot of money i'm assuming to yeah. be running her own brothel so <laughs> she yeah. didn't want to even come claim you know the seat because she said why would i go there if i have a palace here you know so, <laughs> and she was free to do what she wanted there she loved sex she loved her body she loved other people and she wasn't going to let anybody tell her otherwise. And I just, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Like reading through the tone of like the male archmaester being very hoity-toity and prudish <laughs> about it. It's yeah. actually a really strong, um, like 
here is a queer woman using her sexuality to empower herself in, in a way that really suits her. And I think that's a really inspiring way to look at it if you can ignore Gildane's tone. <laughs> yeah. I liked how he was so appalled by it. I was like, <laughs> in your face. <laughs> you know? So. Okay, so I want to talk for a minute about, I think, one of my favorite very, I mean, it's very subtle. It's not mentioned, you know, it's at length, but it's Jane Aaron and Jessamine Redford. Um, Jane Aaron, it was known as the Maiden of the Veil, and we've known that for a long time. But in, in Fire and Blood, we discovered that, uh, well, we, I'll read this quote. Septon Eustace repeats the widespread rumor that Jane Aaron preferred the intimate companionship of other women, but then goes on to say it was not true. Well, I'm going to believe it's true. And then we find out Intimate later. Intimate companionship was yeah. so clinical. Yeah. And she's made of the veil. Like, she, she never marries. Like, okay. But then it goes on later. We find out that uh, Jane Aaron eventually dies in the mother house of Maris, um, wrapped in the arms of Jessamine Redford, her dear companion. So I think it's like a rare tale where, like, they had a life together. No one got in their way. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's very sweet. Yeah, because the Lady Aaron, Jane Aaron, um, she, I loved the fact that she never married and still held her seat with no one telling her anything. Like, she sent Reyna all these troops and she got into the middle of this war, the Dance of the Dragons, and it was just, like, amazing. Like, I loved that she did not get married. I, I, I just really loved that she didn't need a man in her castle to say, all right, this is what's going to be done. Mm-hmm. And I say it, I will it, and that's it. Yeah. So. I appreciate it. I mean, it, it, they also mentioned she had a cousin who was a man, and he defended her loyally. And she named him her heir, but he was, you know, he wasn't like the kind of guy that was like, hmm, she's gay, and I can maybe oust her or something. Mm-hmm. Like, she had some loyal yeah. people around her, clearly people that would defend her. I think, um, let's see, we can talk about Sabatha, um, Viper and Frey, I think, perhaps now. Um, she's one of the ones, she's the one that we did learn in the World of Ice and Fire originally. She's the, the OG. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, of course, okay, I'll, I'll read this quote. I, I just like the description of her. I don't know. I, I think she would be, she's basically like a Frey Olena is one yeah. picture. Of her. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Uh, but it goes, Sabatha Frey, the lady of the twins, the widow of Lord Forrest Frey and mother of his heir, a sharp-featured, sharp-tongued harridan of House Viperin, who would sooner ride than dance, wore mail instead of silk, and was fond of killing men and kissing women, according mm. to Mushroom. <laughs> so, so that's a great, great quote about her. I, I just... There's so many characters in this book that I just want to explore more. It's so nice to hear a description through Mushroom's point of view as opposed to Gildane's point of view. Yeah. <laughs> That's a little bit livelier, a little bit less clinical. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, I, you know, something that slipped by me, I think, the first time I read Fire and Blood, honestly, I just totally didn't take notice of it for once, was this stuff about Black Alley Blackwood. Any of you want to speak mm-hmm. to that? Oh. Yeah, just about how during the war, um, which war was this again? <laughs> so many wars. Um, during the war, they would share the tent together and everyone thought they were related because, you know, they were so close. Um, but nobody really delved that deep into that relationship mm-hmm. for some reason. I guess it was just way too much going on in the fray. Um, but they... Um, Definitely shared a tent together. So yeah. make of that what you will. Yeah. And of course, <laughs> Black Alley Blackwood eventually marries yeah. Craig and Stark, but 
hey, she can be pan or bi, like, just, yeah, just believe what you want. And we hear that many thought her to be of the same ilk as Sabbath of Frey, for they were oft in one another's company, and as you said, had been known to share a tent. So we have the information, just believe what you want. If you want to think Black Alley, you know, and Sabbath had a thing, yeah, I love Read it. between the lines. <laughs> yeah, Pinkwash uh, everything. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know... I think after Reyna and Alyssa, I think my favorites are Sylvana Sand and Essie. Me too. Yeah. You want to start us off with them? Sure. So they are sex workers, and they proclaim their adopted son, I'm assuming? I'm not yeah, sure he's a biological son. It's, I think it's, he's a biological son, son but you know, not with an actual Targaryen. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he just the has thing. the Targaryen look. But anyway, yeah. his name is Gaiman Pale Hair, and they raised him up, but... What they ended up doing, um, kind of using him as a puppet to uh, force through their own really liberal policies. <laughs> I was just so happy to see that happen. And I was like, Yeah, they took Please. that opportunity quickly. Like, as soon as the queen was gone, they were like, Hey, we got a Targaryen here. Yeah. You know, like... Oh, I want to read this really quote. These are, these are the edicts that they, that they <laughs> decreed, and they're just, they're just so good. They're wonderful. <laughs> Gaiman decreed that girls should henceforth be equal with boy, boys in matter of inheritance, that the poor be given bread and beer in times of famine, and that men who had lost limbs in war must afterward be fed and housed by whichever lord they had been fighting for when the loss took place. Gaiman decreed that husbands who beat their wives should themselves be beaten, irrespective of what the wives had done to warrant such chastisement. <laughs> so progressive, it makes me happy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also love that George like described it as a queer kingdom. I was just he yeah. also named him Gaiman. So. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's not a subtle, George. No, it's effective. No. <laughs> I love that the kid was five, too, so he had no idea what was going on. He no. was like, hey. <laughs> yeah, sure, man. And they were like, come on, you know, we need this. <laughs> like, you know? oh. yeah. And, of course, it was a Dornish woman with the sand last yes. name that would have been pushing this yes. forward. Uh, um, you caught one here, too, that I actually didn't grab originally. Uh, yeah, so these, there are um, another three Janes. Um, so they went to the Maiden's Fair, so Aegon Third. um, his sister wife died and they were looking for another um, wife for him. Um, and then three Janes attended the, this maiden's fair, which was a massive ball for him to pick a wife. Um, and, it's, and there's a brief quote about them that says, and it was put about that the three Janes, Jane Smallwood, Jane Mutton and Jane Merriweather, liked to dress in squire's garb and visit the brothels along the street of silk to kiss and fondle the women there as if the three of them were boys. So... Um, yeah, obviously it's very, very queer, and they're going along yeah. and, and enjoying themselves in, in life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a lot of Janes are gay, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it seems to be a popular name, I don't know. Um, so, as you can see, he, he added a lot. Like, it's a good amount of characters that he added, but, you know, with a lot of them, there's not a lot of personality, there's not a lot of feelings in flat. there. Um, so I'm really curious for the Winds of Winter if he's gonna continue this. If you know, if we saw in Fire and Blood that he did better, if he will take this into account for that. Yeah, and I wonder, you know, just based on the response that he's getting from people like us, you know, I wonder if that's going to figure into that. Yeah, the positive, you yeah. know, response that he's getting. I really hope so. Really, I, you know, something I do at conventions when I, you know, ask 
you know, George, a question, I got a Q&A. Sometimes I'm like, I should ask a question about a character that I care about a lot, just so he's, like, reminded that we care. <laughs> so basically, I think I should ask him about, like, Alyssa or one of these gay women. He'll be like, oh, okay. Like, people, people are into Hoping this. he didn't forget. Yeah. <laughs> and I think... Um, I think D&D should be held a little bit liable, too, since, like, they're going to change all this stuff in the show. Why not go in that direction and have representation on the show when you have... I mean, you know, there's not a lot. Like, we're picking some bones here. Like, we we want this representation. Um, but it, like you said, it, it's HBO. It, it's perfect. Like, why would you not go in that direction and, and give us some representation there. Like, you changed so much else. Like, you know, yeah, made me a little upset. I guess they probably <laughs> gave us it with Alaria and Yara. Yeah. yeah. You have something? Oh, no. oh. okay. <laughs> you know, we haven't gotten a single comment throughout this. Here we go. Um, and this is me being incredibly cynical. Yeah. Please bear with me. I, 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 I've been out for a really long time, mm-hmm. and I've seen and heard everything. Mm-hmm. There's a part of me that wonders sometimes if they don't in- people don't include the gay characters because it draws more of an audience. Yeah, and I'm wondering what you guys. I mean, that it couldn't be the reason for Game of Thrones because they want that. You know what I mean? Like they 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 explicitly would. Yeah, like they, that's what they want. So you know. Yeah, those are my thoughts, basically, is that you would think they would put more of it in there just because of that, if I, you know, by that measure. But I will say, like, for the books, for example, George is explicitly, when people have asked why isn't there, like, on screen, you know, on book, like, we, we see men having sex together, he'd be like, because I'm not interested in that. I don't know how to write it. And you're like, but you write as a young girl or like, you know, like, you can do that. Like, you can't write a gay love scene. You can write a lesbian love scene. Like, I don't get it. Uh, that's like a cop out. So like, there is this, this element of, of I mean, that for sure. really graphic with Erie and Danny. So, <laughs> I mean, it's possible. You can do it. <laughs> like, or even like, you know, I'm sure you have like, a community that is willing to give those insights, you know, like everybody's willing to talk about, you know, their experience, especially with being, you know, LGBTQ, um, you know, where we're in an era where it's like people don't want to listen, you know. So when you get the opportunity, people are going to, you know, come out and, and give their feedback. So. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Yes. Do you also think that it's partially to do with the fact that there were no men in the writers? Because yeah. Yeah, Renly and Loris and Olivar, you know, you would count Oberyn, obviously, and then you have Ilaria, Yara, and you would, I don't know how you would count the Danny Dorius, I don't know what to say about that, <laughs> quasi, or yeah. the sex worker, I don't know, um, all that. Um, so it depends on how you count. Like maybe you count some of those sex workers, and so I don't think I do personally because they're I don't like who knows their thoughts on it all. Yeah, they don't get a choice. Yeah, they don't get a yeah. choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's all directed towards the male gaze. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. There's there's nothing there for women. There's no tenderness. There's yeah. <laughs> yeah, nothing at all. Anybody else here? Yeah. So I'm asexual and aromantic. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just wondering, I know 
Varys comes to mind. Is yeah. Are there any characters that you all have been to your own? I was thinking that too. But it's more sociopathic. Yeah. Yeah. He could very easily have like find a sexual partner if he wanted. So sneaky. <laughs> he's just so fixated on yeah. Catelyn and Catelyn, Sansa, yeah. which you, yeah. yeah, yeah, he's like yeah, very fixated like on obsessed. them, but it's not like I mean, he's just this obsessive, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, yeah. I've always read Stannis as Ace um, mm-hmm. because he, you know, goes to his uh, goes to the bedchamber like a man going to battle. Or <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't seem to particularly enjoy no. his encounters with Melisandre either. Like, that yeah. feels very much like. Oh, you know, I've always read it as very much like he's using that as as a tool to, you know, yeah, gain to an end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and much like you know, going to Solis is is his duty to get an heir, but it doesn't. F- so I've always read Stannis' as Ace. Mm-hmm. I definitely see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Vegans. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's definitely. a great yes. Yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned that for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, uh, the comment was that um, Brendan Blackfish is also uh, can be read as ace. Yeah, you could read him as ace. You could read him as Gabe. You could, yeah. yeah. Into the arguments with Hoster. Yeah. Whether or not he's going to marry him himself, to the man. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, no. Nope. Yeah. Here's my statement, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> he ran away from home so he wouldn't get married. <laughs> I actually was going to bring that up, possibly. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Never, never seemed to have a romantic partner, so. Yeah. yeah. That is interesting. Were you talking about Bran, right? Uh, I was no. talking about the oh. three-eyed oh, oh, yeah. I was talking about Bran, not the three-eyed yeah, man. <laughs> but, yes. I mean, but uh, Bran I, is I, very I had young. a really late yeah. night last night, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even know what I'm saying right now. I mean, yeah. if we were talking about book, uh, Bran is still very young, yeah. um, and he doesn't have like much experience. Um, he's just fighting for survival. So, yeah, um, but three eyed raven, you know, Bran. Abutting... Yeah, you would think like going through puberty, he exactly. would be like, "Hey, Mira," but yeah, we haven't we haven't yeah, seen any that of that. Sense. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah, like I, yeah, I, I got a vibe. Like I, you know, in as, in as much, I'm not like a shipper in general, but like they're just a sweet. Like she's guarding him, and I think they're a really sweet friendship. And you know, they're young and all that. But I really wanted to see Mira again in the show, and for her to like show up there in King Landing, like Brand's king now. Like go see her. I don't know, <laughs> but it is like I do wonder, Brand, is he gonna get? Married as king? I know that's all the show, but like if we're assuming that's gonna happen in the books too, like I not not that we'll get that answer, but it's just something I never thought about is if Bran would actually have a, a, a I don't know, I don't think so. Can he produce children? Yeah, but like, another you don't one. have to produce children to necessarily like want a companion yeah. like that. Yeah. But he's very, you know, just I I I don't think he would. Yeah, he's like really disassociated that, from reality. Yeah, at the point that he, you know, is the three-eyed raven, I guess he 
would be considered asexual, but it's a very different sort of thing. Imagine. I mean, yeah, he said, yeah. he said, oh, I don't want for anything. I don't want to be Lord of Winterfell. Yeah. But he's like, okay, yeah, I'll be king. That's what I came here for. Like, he's just apathetic. So maybe he could still want yeah. something. Like, I don't <laughs> That's, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, not to say that. I'm sorry. No, just um, like physically since he's handicapped, you know, we don't know how far down and what, you know, necessarily works. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just to repeat for anyone who's listening back on the audio, for anyone who didn't hear that, that was a really important comment yes. about, um, you know, the representation of uh, disabled people and sexuality and disabled people being perceived as not particularly sexual, which is incorrect. Don't don't very incorrect. Think that. <laughs> <laughs> do not assume friends. <laughs> I, think, I know it's, it's getting a bit off topic, but in terms of disability, uh, at the end in the last episode, Tyrion says that can't grand can't father children, and that. Yeah. I mean, what would your guess be on why? Um, My guess would be that they don't know. Like, how can their son? I mean, seriously, are they doing an experiment? (laughs) (laughs) They don't know. Yeah. I mean, like, that's totally untrue. We say with Tyrion, like, he has no problems. Yeah. <laughs> like, what did you have to say, Butterfly, real quick? Yeah. 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 Like you and talk. Um, so I mostly write about symbolism in the Song of Ice and Fire, and there's a huge um, overlap in um, sort of um, loss of fertility and sort of castration motifs being associated with magical transcendence. So I think that is probably the most likely background to it, but it does reinforce some pretty problematic notions in relation to disability and gender and, and sexuality. So. Mm. I'm really glad you brought that up because it does. It brings in like a, a dynamic that I think George is working towards, uh, yeah. you know, but it does bring problems into it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've got about four minutes left. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, just to hide, yeah. We're not in her head. We, we can yeah. just choose what you want to believe. Again, just, we, we're not, we're never going to have a Sorella POV. We're never going to know the answer to that question. Yeah, I guess you can be like, <laughs> I, I, I identify as <laughs> Surprise. And the more problematic one was the uh, Lannister King who liked to dress as a woman in the Lannister Yeah. Yeah. We've got some that are like, you know, like, I don't know how you would read them. It's more gender fluid, like uh, Lisano Mar, you know, who, yeah. who wears, you know, I don't know you who's to say exactly yeah. his perspective on that, but there's a little bit of that. Yeah. For reference for that, for the recording, yeah. that was uh, a comment about like uh, trans characters yeah. um, and with reference to Sorella Sand, uh, Alaras, and 
Thank um, you so much, Emma, for remembering to do that. I always <laughs> try to remember to do this in my panels, and I always forget. <laughs> um, uh, there's also the Jogos Nai, um, which is mm -hmm. a culture in the um, east of Essos. Um, and they have... Um, uh, you can... Uh... Moon singers? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, moon singers. Um, um, yeah. I think it's called... Jogo Niet? Jack? Jack? Yeah. Jack? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Wait, say that it's really hard to pronounce. So it's yeah. called J H J H A T Jats, and then the women's are like Jatas or Jata. The high thing. But it, it's a, a very um, dichotomized society in which um, there is a sort of militarized side of it and a religious side of it, and the religious side of it is codified as predominantly female. Um, however, if uh, you were born with penis, then you can choose to become part of the um, sort of female-coded um, sort of religious side of things if you wanted to, and similarly vice versa for people born with a vagina, they could choose to join the militarised side of it, which is coded masculine. So there, there, are, there are cultures in Planetos that do allow for... Um, of explicit trans identities. Yes. Yeah. Yes, those zebra yeah. horses. Um, we're at our end right now. So we got to wrap this up, but um, if you haven't seen on the schedule, there is the LGBTQ uh, plus panel um, tomorrow, I believe. I think I'm cross-scheduling, can't go to it, but hopefully you guys can be go to, going to it and to meet more people. Yes. yes. Thank you so Thank much you. for coming. Thank you.